The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. We're pleased to be joined by NHL Insider for Bally Sports. He's host of the D- Tomato Fights and Listen to Brunch podcast, Pete Blackburn. Petey, how are we doing today, my man? I'm good. How are you guys? Fantastic. Couldn't be better, to be yeah. honest. Weather's getting nice. Golf's just around the corner. Mm-hmm. We're feeling good. Hell yeah. I feel that. Absolutely, man. So uh, so listen, we got the trade deadline coming just a few days away. Uh, we'll, we'll launch this podcast on trade deadline day, so in the morning for the listeners. But uh, it's going to be, I think there's going to be some moving and shaking parts in the NHL. I mean, it's been fairly quiet right now, uh, but we're going to navigate kind of through the divisions, the four divisions, talk about some of the contenders of divisions. I mean, the Houston Conference is fairly solidified. Um, you know, there'll be some shuffling in terms of where those teams sit from one to eight. Um, you know, a little bit more of a uh, of a race in the uh, in the Western Conference, but uh, let's start things off in the Atlantic, uh, Pete. I know you're a big Boston Bruins Boston Bruins guy, as am I. Let's talk about the Bruins for a minute. I mean, they've been on a nice run as of late. Um, you know, looking to catch the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, but as you know, we look at the deadline picture. What do you think they're needing? What do you think they uh, need to bolster their uh, their roster for a nice playoff run? I would love to see them add a, a, a top six forward. Uh, I don't know if that means uh, a center. Like there's now there's been rumors of David Krejci possibly have interest in coming back. And I don't know if that's, that's in the cards, but if they can't, if they can't lock down a, uh, you know, a second line center, I, I was hoping Claude Giroux and, or Tomas Hurdle would be a, a possibility there. It looks like both of those guys are going to be off the board. Uh, Hurdle obviously is with his contract extension, but you know, if they can add somebody on the wing, that would be nice. Like I, I think that the uh, their third line emergence of of Trent Frederick, Charlie Coyle, and uh, and Craig Smith has been like a real game changer for that lineup because the biggest separator between like contenders and pretenders is a game changing third line and. The, the production of that line has been unbelievable and has sort of like reinvigorated my faith in this team. So I would love to see another top six forward. I think that they could use an upgrade on defense, like would love a Jacob Chikorin if they can swing for the fences with him. Um, and then, you know, before, like if you asked me like a month ago, I might've said, you know, would they could use like a little bit of goaltending security possibly now that Tuka Rass out of the picture, but Jeremy Swayman, man, he looks amazing and I'm all in on the Swayman. Yeah. I mean, Swayman, Swayman's been lights out. Um, I would love to see Chikrin there. I think if you put him with McAvoy, that's gotta be one of the best pairings in the league. hundred percent for like years. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, you know, he's not a rental. Yeah. He's, he's locked in. He's young. He's very affordable. His contract is an absolute steal. If they could get Chikrin, I, I, it really doesn't matter what the price is. I say that now, but it really doesn't matter what the price is. I would be happy. I would be ecstatic. Cause he's just one of those guys that, that kind of checks all your boxes. I wouldn't even hate seeing them. If they hit, took Chikrin too. maybe I get a two and one and get uh, Kessel for the little reunion tour too. Yeah, get the top six going to. Yeah, at at one at one point, I'd like to see that. But uh, let's uh, transway into the Leafs here. Um, Obviously, they're going to need some stuff coming up. Um, 
goalie, I think, is going to be one of the things. What do you think they need most, though? Goaltending. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not even close <laughs> no. based off of what we've seen since like January 1st. Uh, you know, Jack Campbell and Peter Mrazek have been like among the like the handful of worst goalies in the entire league since the turn of the calendar year. And, it, you know, I think I, I still think that like, you know, there's a chance that Jack Campbell gets it together and can be serviceable down the stretch. But if you're the least, I don't think you take a chance on that happening. Like you, you have to be proactive about it because patience is really running low in Toronto. And this might be, you know, like the, the last kick of the can for Kyle Dubas. If, if like they don't make a run, I mean, like I don't understand how he can hold on to that job if they don't get out of the first round this year, it's just like, you know, repeated failure, repeated failure. So yeah, upgrading a goaltender is, is the biggest thing, but you know, if, if, if they do end up having or needing to sink their faith into Jack Campbell, turning it around, you can upgrade on defense as well. Um, especially, you know, if Jake Muzzin, if, if he's not coming back uh, until the playoffs, you know, Mark Giordano wants to be there. Apparently it seems like, so that would be a huge win for the Leafs if they could pull in Mark Giordano. Yeah. Toronto guy, Mark Giordano, definitely some rumors of him heading to Toronto, but I'm I'm with you, Pete, you know, I'm not sold on our goaltending. Obviously Jack Campbell. I mean, a few months ago, all-star, maybe in the Vesna talks, it's funny how the flip, the uh, flip of the switch in that city, you know, they're calling for his head. They're calling for change at the goaltending position. But, you know, we look at the landscape for goaltenders. I mean, there's Marc-Andre Fleury, potentially Semyon Varlamov, um, you know, Alexander Gorgiev. I mean, is there a goaltender that you think that might be a good fit for the Toronto Maple Leafs? I mean, you know, with uh, the injury to, uh, Hudobin in Dallas has kind of taken Braden Holpe out of the picture. So I don't know. I mean, do you make a lateral move where, you know, a guy, you know, similar to Jack Campbell and Peter Mrazek who hasn't maybe proved himself in the league or do you try to upgrade? Uh, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned Holpe because like a, a week or two ago before they kind of said that, that, that before they had taken him off the board, I thought that he would be a, a fine solution because I think that he gives you a little bit um, of a, a little bit of insurance, not necessarily like a huge upgrade, but he's one of those guys where, you know, if, if Campbell isn't turning it around, you can go to a guy like him. And if, and if Campbell does turn it around, you don't feel too bad taking those reins away from Braden Holpe. So like if they're going to go that route, fine. But again, like it doesn't present much of a insure uh, or an assured upgrade. Like, I really think the only way that you're getting that is if you go after Mark Andre Fleury, uh, or you kind of go off the board a little bit. And, you know, I don't know if like, I don't know how, how easy it's going to be to get like a guy like John Gibson or something like that. Like John Gibson has been pretty bad for like the last three years. And, you know, if, if you can sort of buy low on a guy that has a, a really high ceiling like that, why not? Why not like inquire? Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think it's necessarily like a uh, something that Anaheim is rushing to do. But, you know, it, 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 I think the goalie market is pretty thin in terms of assured upgrades based off of guys that are out there. I think it's like only flurry that is that I would feel comfortable with. Um, like turning it over to. And so, you know, you try to get creative maybe, um, but I don't know. I, I think that, that their, li- their options are pretty limited this year and uh, that's a tough spot to be in. 
Yeah, I don't know how comfortable I am as a Leafs fan. I mean, I'm not a Leafs fan, but if I was, you know, looking at last year's, you know, path to the cup and obviously, you know, the 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 collapse to the Montreal Canadiens and now looking at the landscape, I mean, you're looking at probably one of the Florida teams first round if you're in that wild card spot taking on Carolina. I mean, it's not going to be an easy run for Toronto, so be interested to see how they do. How great would it be, though, if Freddie Anderson was able to beat the Leafs in the first oh, round? Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it'd be amazing. Toronto uh, would burn down, I think. Oh, the city. Uh, yeah, there's going to be some heads called for, for sure, if uh, <laughs> if they don't go on a little run here. But uh, let's talk about the Sunshine State to finish off the Atlantic Division. I mean, we've got two powerhouses down there. Obviously, Tampa, I'm looking to make it three in a row. I'm not sure you know, how much flexibility they have with the cap in terms of uh, some additions uh, that they'll be able to make. But Florida is certainly um, kind of you know leading the way in the Claude Giroux talks, it sounds like. Um, you know, a very dangerous team just added Ben Chirot. What do you think Florida's looking to do in the next few days? I think they're looking to, to, to really go for it, and as they should be. I mean, this is a team that hasn't won a playoff series since 1996 and <laughs> really desperate for relevance, especially when, you know, they've been a pretty good and respectable team over the past few years, just haven't gotten over the hump. And unfortunately, the team that resides in their state has won back-to-back Stanley Cups. So we know there's no question that hockey can be successful in the Sunshine State. You know, you can't blame the market. Um, You know, so Florida really reaching for relevance. They've got an unbelievable team this year. Definitely one of the most elite teams in the league. I think they owe it to themselves and, and all the fans to to make a run for it. And it looks like they're doing that. Uh, I'm not like the biggest Ben Chirac guy, but I did think that they needed an upgrade on on the blue line. And uh, he gives him a little bit of nastiness. And I think that that'll be something that will come in handy in the playoffs. And if they add if they do end up finalizing the Claude Giroux deal, unbelievable, unbelievable acquisition. And that'll be extremely exciting to watch Claude Giroux being inserted into that lineup, a team that is already super explosive offensively. They're going to be one of the most exciting teams to watch uh, down the stretch. And I think it ultimately will come down to whether or not the goaltending holds, because we've seen what goaltending has done to that team over the past few years. So uh, I hope that Sergei Bobrovsky can hold it together. And if not, Spencer Knight can be the future. Yeah. Unproven, but, uh, We'll see what happens with them. Staying in Florida, what about Tampa? I, I feel like they kind of only really need like what, like a bottom six forward. Like they're pretty they're pretty yeah. sad. Yeah, I, I I completely agree. I, I think that they're they're not facing a ton of pressure, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the, the biggest hit that they took in the off season was obviously the depth. They lost their entire third line, which was like one of the biggest pieces of why they were able to win back to back Stanley Cups. And so you know if you can kind of reinforce the back end a little bit, I think that. It'll it'll do them some good, but for some reason, I, I just feel like Tampa is sort of flying under the radar this year. And I don't know if it's because of um, like exhaustion, because we've been talking about them for the past few years and how good that they've been or even longer than that, because they've been perennial contenders. But I don't know. I mean, like they they got off to a slow start, but they have emerged as as again, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. And everybody's kind of just like glazing over them because maybe because Florida is the more exciting, like newer team, but Tampa is as real as anybody gets. And and if they can add a little bit at the deadline, they're a, a real threat to three Pete. 
Uh, unquestionably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you look at, you know, kind of from the goaltending position up, they're just such a deep team. And yeah. another guy who's just kind of res- found a resurgence of his career, Corey Perry's having kind of a sneaky yeah. good mm-hmm. season, a guy who can play playoff hockey. But yeah, they've got the experience. They've got it done the last two years. So certainly not a team that I want to run into uh, in the first round or at any point uh, during the playoffs. All right, Pete, let's move into the Metro division. Um, you know, we got four teams, it sounds like, that are going to be making it into the Metro. We've got Carolina, New York, Washington, and Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know with Pittsburgh. I know uh, Brian Burke's always quick to say, you know, how much of a mess Jimmy Rutherford left that team in, um, you know, as he departed. But we'll start things off with the New York Rangers, obviously just uh, acquiring our former buddy Frankie Vitrano for the fourth round pick. I mean, adds a little bit of forward depth there. But, you know, do you see any major changes? For me, the New York Rangers might be um, kind of the biggest pretender out of the East. Like, I don't know if they're quite there yeah. yet. I mean, obviously, they've been riding the hot goaltender all year. But what are your thoughts on the Rangers if they can make any moves? What do you see them doing? Yeah, I mean, they need to clean it up on the back end. You can't expect uh, can't expect Igor to carry you, drag you to to relevance every single night. And, uh, you know, I guess you can't expect that because he's been doing it all year <laughs> long. But I mean, uh, you know, he, he's uh, for me, he's a legitimate heart candidate based off of how he's played with what's in front of him. And, and the Rangers are a, a pretty a pretty you know, porous team defensively, they give up a ton of high danger opportunities. Uh, you know, they kind of get out, out chanced on any given, any given night. So it, that's concerning. Like you go up against uh, like a real, real contender in a seven game series. And I think that the, the Rangers are going to get exposed no matter how good Igor is. And so uh, if they can add to the blue line, that would certainly help. I also think that they could use some help on the right side um, from their forward groups. And um, you know, I don't know, how much Frank Vetrano is going to bring to that lineup, but uh, you know, it, it doesn't hurt to have a guy like that. I, I like Frank Vetrano. Um, he's a good depth piece. So, uh, you know, I, I think that the Rangers have a lot of room to be aggressive and, you know, I go back and forth on it because they have the room to be aggressive and that doesn't mean that doesn't necessarily mean that they like should be aggressive. If, if you get what I'm saying, like yeah. don't, go for it just for the sake of going for it because they're in, they're entering this window where they should be competing for like the long haul. So don't set yourself back by just going for it for the sake of going for it this year, use that money wisely, use your assets wisely and, and keep an eye on the bigger picture, I guess. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. They do feel like kind of the weak link in the East. I feel like if they could get Kako or Capococco and Lafreniere to kind of start like popping off like how they were supposed to. I guess mm-hmm. they're still up and coming, but that would help them a lot. But what do you think about Carolina? They're an absolute wagon. Yeah, great team. Great team. Uh, I would like to see them add, uh, you know, a little bit of bite for the playoffs. So that's just like one of the things that this team has sort of been missing um, when they've made runs in the past. It's like, you know, they, they run into a team that has a little bit more nasty than they do, and they sort of get pushed off their game and they fall apart. And uh, there's no question that this team has the skill and, you know, like they're they're It's reflective in the numbers. They're a really great possession team. Um, you know, they they you know, they 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 control games. Well, now they're getting the goaltending from Freddie Anderson. That's a huge piece. I don't know if this team needs a whole lot, but you know, if there's one thing that you can add, just get, just get a little bit of toughness, a little bit of nastiness to inject into that lineup uh, when it comes to the playoffs. 
Certainly. <clears throat> we know how much the game changes and, you know, how valuable those pieces can be mm-hmm. uh, down the stretch. Right, let's move into Pittsburgh, Pete. Um, obviously, I said, I noted earlier that uh, they're kind of tight against the cap, not much moves. I mean, this is the team preseason. Nate and I were talking on the podcast before the season. We kind of wrote them off. Uh, we thought yeah, Philly <laughs> We thought Philly would have a better season. We thought, you know, maybe their window had closed. I mean, we weren't that sold on Tristan Jari, certainly not sold on their back end. But we've kind of seen Mike Sullivan get this team pretty dialed in, night in, night out, even with all the injuries, games, um, you know, man games lost due to injury. I mean, they've been, you know, fairly, uh, you know, fairly consistent and fairly solid night in, night out. But uh, what do you think, you know, the Penguins, do you think they're a threat come playoff time? Do you think they're a team uh, that could go on a run? Do you think, you know, is there anything they can do come deadline time? I'm still a little skeptical, but I've been skeptical of them all year long and they've continued to prove me wrong despite, you know, a, a number of things that you would consider to be, to, to be road bumps. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that this they could definitely use some help on the wings. Uh, but that being said, it's one of those teams where you look at like you look at their lineup and you're like, okay, a guy like Evan Rodriguez, how much is he going to do for them? And then like all of a sudden, they Pittsburgh is like consistently one of those teams where you look at like who they have on the wings and you're like, who the hell are these guys and how can they possibly compete? And then those guys go out and score like 25, 30 goals yep. in a season. And you're like how did that happen? So like it's, I've learned to not underestimate the penguins and not take them lightly. Um, You know, Mike Sullivan's a great coach and that team is very strong down the middle. uh, And you know, that's, that's a huge key for the playoffs. If they can, if they can add some reinforcements on the wing, get a little bit of scoring help, I would feel better about them. But as, as it stands, like I'm not going to write them off because I've been doing that and I've been proven wrong consistently. Yeah, I mean, same here. Um, we completely, like as you said earlier, Greg, like we wrote them off so hard. Like, I didn't think they were going to even make the playoffs, and they're just completely going off. But let's talk about the Capitals, my boys. Um, I, I, I'm not feeling too great about them. I think they need a D-man. The goaltending's been in shambles, but I'm interested to see what you think. Yeah, I think they could use some help on defense, and the goaltending has w- or was an issue. Like Vitek Vanacek seems like he's kind of pulling it together, yeah. and and maybe securing that job heading into the postseason. But you know, again, they were one of those teams that I was like, okay, would they be in on Flurry? But uh, from what I've heard, Flurry does not want to go there. Too uncomfortable for him to kind of like be a part of uh, that side of the rivalry. Which respect, yep. I, I respect that. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I was looking at a Braden Holpe reunion potentially. Um, that'd be a cool story. But again, Holpe seems to be off the market. So uh, you kind of just, it seems like you kind of got to hope that the Vitek Vanacek holds it together and uh, he can be that guy down the stretch. But yeah, they're, they're another one of those teams that, um, you know, I'm not totally sold on. I think they're a little bit more towards the pretender side of things than, than the actual contender. And, uh, you know, if they end up in a tough wild card matchup, it could be a quick playoff run for them. I agree. They're just getting, they're aging too. The team just seems to be getting older and older. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. When it comes to tough playoff hockey and um, you know, that team was a little bit, a a little bit banged up uh, last year in the playoffs. So it's, you know, it's like, you know, if you're that old and you're, you're going up in, in sort of like a very tough physical playoff hockey atmosphere, how, how long are you going to hold up for? Exactly. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what the caps do come playoff times. All right. We just talked about the entire Eastern conference, Pete, you know, we talked about each of the contenders, what they might be looking at. 
there are a couple teams here that you're like, these guys are some serious favorites to go on a cup run. If you look, you know, through those eight teams we just talked about. Uh, serious contenders going to play run. I mean, like uh, you got Florida, Tampa. Um, I think the don't take the Bruins lightly, uh, especially with how well they play defensively. And, you know, if Jeremy Swayman is the guy that he's been for like the past month and a half and, and he's playing like that in the playoffs, don't take the Bruins lightly. Um, that's all I'm saying. And that's not me being a homer. I think that they've, they're starting to put it together at the right time. Um, and Carolina, I would throw into that mix as well. Uh, anyone outside of that, I think has kind of got like, they got to, they got to show me something as soon as the playoffs start for me to really buy in. Yeah. I think I can get on board with that yeah, as well. Sure. All right, let's move into the, uh, the other side of the, um, the NHL and we'll talk about the Western conference here. We'll start in the central. I mean, we've got the powerhouse caller avalanche just having such a tremendous year. I mean, this team is going to be scary come playoff time. There's no question asked. And we've seen Nathan McKinnon kind of wake up come playoff time and just decide that he's just a much better player come postseason. Um, Talk about the Colorado Avalanche. I know they're kind of in the running for, for Claude Giroux. You know, what do you think that they need to, to really bolster that lineup, if anything? I don't know if they need anything, but I, I do think that they are, uh, they're going for it for sure. And, and so, like, they're going to be aggressive where they can be. Um, I think they want to kind of reinforce the back end of that lineup, especially now looking at what Calgary's been able to do. Yep. I, I love Calgary's forward lineup. I mean, they've got four unreal lines and they're going to have uh, an unbelievable defensive presence in the, uh, in the playoffs. So I think the Colorado probably sees that they probably want to add a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a little worried about their back end based off of losing Sam Gerard, Bowen Byram obviously has been away from the team, like two significant losses from the blue line. So if they can, if they can maybe add some reinforcements there, it would be helpful. But, you know, overall, I don't think they need a ton because we've seen what they've been able to do. And we've seen what they've been able to do over like a multi-month span. So, like, if that team gets hot, they are nearly unbeatable. <laughs> and so that's they're the class of the Western Conference. Not far behind Calgary, though. I really like what Calgary's doing. I agree. We we were lucky enough to catch a Calgary a couple of Calgary games last week when we were in town, and they were they're they're going, man. I'm I'm all on board for Calgary. But uh, let's talk St. Louis. Um, for me, the, I almost get this like kind of pretender feel in the West. I'm not sure why. I just I'm not, I'm not sold on Bennington anymore. What do you what do you think about St. Louis? No, I'm not sold on Bennington. Uh, you know, but Bill Huso has been a uh, kind of a revelation mm-hmm. for for a little bit there, and. Uh, they definitely need defense. They need to tighten it up on the back end. They need some defensive help. I think that they could use a little bit of toughness, a little bit of uh, uh, somebody that kind of eats minutes. Um, so I, that's something that they really need. And I know that they're like aggressively pursuing it. I thought that they would end up with Ben Sherratt, but you know, obviously that didn't happen. There's no real shortage of, of like defensive <clears throat> guys that they could go after. Um, so I expect them to pull in a defenseman in the coming days. And I think that that should help them. I really do like their, their forward group. I think that they've got four strong lines. They've got a pretty dynamic, uh, dynamic rollout in terms of what they can do offensively. And that's going to help. Um, but if the goaltending and the defense doesn't improve, that may be where they get exposed, uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. That's Jordan Kyrou guy and Robert Thomas. I mean, they're having Unreal. such 
tremendous yeah. seasons. They've looked fantastic. So it'll be interesting to see what St. Louis can do at the deadline and, and you know, bolster their chances. Let's move into Nashville. I know Nashville for us has been a bit of a surprise. I mean, Matt Duchesne's kind of come out of the woodwork and, and um, mm-hmm. you know, revitalized, uh, you know, his play. And, and uh, I mean, we look at the back end, obviously, Roman Yossi hitting 70 points last night. And UC Saros has been such a stud. I mean, do you see these guys, you know, making any moves come deadline? And, and do you think they're, uh, you know, a contending team? I don't know. I, I think that they may be one of those teams that kind of like stands pat because the, it's it's more like, I don't know if they view it this way, but if I were them, I'd be like, okay, just like happy to be here kind of yep. deal mm-hmm. because they are a team that sort of was like soft selling in the, uh, in the off season. Like they traded Victor Arvidsson and it looked like they were c- going to be like, okay, just transitioning to, whatever the next era is. And, um, you know, they, they've sort of overperformed to this point. And I think a big part of that is goaltending. They have one of the best goaltenders in the league. And, uh, you know, I, I, they've gotten good, good goaltending, no shock there. And they've gotten some surprise performances. I mean, you mentioned Matthew Shane, he's been unreal this year and they've kind of needed him to be that, over the past few years. And so they, they got to be glad that he's finally there, but I don't know if I buy them as a team that is going to like aggressively buy or like aggressively pursue a deep playoff run, because I don't know if they think they're there. Well, they were like kind of talking about moving Forsberg too, right? Right. Not that long yeah. ago. So yeah, it seems like they're kind of in a weird spot. Another team is kind of in a weird spot, kind of like the middle of the packs, Minnesota. Um, curious what you're thinking with them. Um, they kind of strike me. I'm not sure if they can get it. They almost seem like, you know, happy to be there as well. Kind of, as you brought up last time. So Minnesota is an interesting one because I think that their ceiling is pretty high. I think that they've got a really good offensive group. Um, you know, Matt Boldy coming in is going to be like a, 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 like some found money for that lineup. And I really like their four group. I really like their offense, but the back end has been kind of loose and they haven't gotten as many saves as they've needed. But the thing is, is that like if Minnesota is going to go for it, they have to do it this year and they have to do it like in terms of a short window because they have that dead money really coming into play next year from the Parise and Suter deals. And they're going to get hammered by by that dead money on the cap starting next year. So, you know, they've the wheels have fallen off a little bit as of recently and they've looked super rough. But when they're going they, I think that they can hang with some of the best teams in the Western Conference and in the league. And we saw like how how well they played in the playoffs last year against Vegas, a team that I was super high on. And they gave them a, a, an unbelievable series. So this team gets hot. They put it together. I think their ceiling is really high and they could go on a run, but they just have to find it. Yeah, you bring up Matt Boldy. I mean, I quickly think about his first goal in the Garden, um, you know, a few Unreal. months back. It was amazing. What an amazing moment it was for Boldy. But that game had a playoff feel, and it, they had a lot of bite. Like, I felt like they, yeah. you know, that Marcus Foligno, you know, what a player he is. And, and it, you know, that was such a, a playoff feel game. And it felt like, you know, that was almost a playoff, uh, playoff atmosphere. And they've got the, you know, the kind of brand of hockey to kind of get it done in the uh, in the postseason. You're right. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, I'm not, st- I don't think we're going to get too much into the Dallas Stars. I'm not, you know, certain. You know, if they're if they're poised to go on a run, it seems like they're kind of transitioning out of the Jamie Ben Tyler Sagan era into the Rupe Hans Jason Robertson era. Uh, but just quickly on the Dallas Stars, do you think this is a team that can kind of sneak in and make some noise? I think they can sneak in. I don't know if they can make some noise. I think that they're uh, they're one of those teams again that's sort of just like happy to be here. A, a month ago, I was looking at them as p- possible like big 
deadline sellers. They had Joe Pavelski who yep. would have, uh, would have kind of brought in a lot. You could have traded uh Radulov, uh, Klingberg. They could have pulled in quite a lot, you know, Holpe too. It, they could have really, really transitioned to stockpiling some future assets. Now uh, I look at it you know, they're on the bubble. They've played well and they see the playoffs and they're not willing to give that up. And, you know, on one hand I get it, like, especially with the last two years, you've lost money uh, due to the pandemic and, you know, you lost that gate revenue and it's a business. And if you see the playoffs in your future, you see the money in your future too, where <clears throat> you're getting that playoff revenue. And that is very, very appealing. But I, I really do think that the, the Dallas stars are kind of stuck in no man's land right now where they're not good enough to, to be considered serious contenders, but they're not bad enough to write them off either. So just kind of a team that is that may get in, but probably won't accomplish more than that. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that for sure. Uh, we'll move into the Pacific. We talked Calgary a little bit already. Um, what do you think they need to do? I, I think they've like kind of already done what they need to do. I've been impressed. Uh, you know, they've, they've been like linked in on uh, on Giordano, uh, which would be a really cool story to see him yeah. return. But I, I don't necessarily think that they need him They're They're awesome on the back end. They're getting unbelievable goaltending. Their forward group plays well defensively can score like that team. And I, I look at that team and I'm I'm kind of like a okay with what they have. And I think that they, they should not be overlooked. And I know that everybody is, is in on Colorado being the best team in the Western conference. I think that Calgary could beat Colorado as currently constituted. Like it would be one hell of a series and you know, it could go either way, but I think that that is a testament to how good Calgary is right now is that they can hang with Colorado. And Daryl Sutter's done such a great job since showing yeah. up last spring. I mean, we look at even Jacob Markstrom. I mean, I don't know if he's getting enough love. Um, you know, we hear a lot about uh, Shesterkin in, in New York and, I mean, nine shutouts on the season. And But, I mean, yeah, with the addition of Tyler Toffoli, you know, recently picking up Cali Yarncroke, who has a lot of, you know, uh, strings attached in that dressing room. You know, a lot of uh, cousin in, in, uh, in, Eli in Elias Lindholm, who... Does he get enough love? Probably not. I mean, there's a lot of guys who in Calgary, you know, kind of live in the shadows who are, are having, you know, who are great hockey players. And Johnny Gaudreau is having another great year um, or kind of a bounce back season, um, ironically, in a contract year. But yeah, you're right. I mean, Calgary's going to be, you know, big time threat come playoffs. That city's going to be rocking too. I mean, mm -hmm. the Sea of Red, such an electric building uh, come playoff time. But let's continue in the Pacific. We're talking about the LA Kings. This has been a bit of a surprise season for me for the LA Kings. Uh, this is a team, I think they're second in the Pacific right now. I mean, they've kind of almost locked up that position. It's kind of a free-for-all for that third and fourth spot. Uh, but talk about the LA Kings. I mean, do you think they can, uh, you know, throw it back for, you know, one more run? Or do you think this is time to kind of, uh, you know, ease expectations in LA? Uh, I don't know. I think that LA is in a very interesting spot. And like last week, I did a video with Frank Saravalli and he was discussing like, which team has the least pressure on it heading into the trade deadline? And I threw LA into the mix there because... They're ahead of schedule. I know the Pacific is an absolute mess this year, and that's pro that probably helps their positioning. But like you look at the LA Kings and what the expectations were for them heading into this season. They had a good offseason. I like some of their moves, but I don't think anybody expected them to be this high in the standings at this juncture. And you kind of like look at them as a team that is ahead of schedule, but 
They're also a team that has a very deep prospect pool. They have assets and they could be in the market for a big splash right now. And I, I I don't think that there's any pressure attached to them because again, they're ahead of schedule and like, they're just kind of like kind of performing above any, anybody's expectations. But there are guys that are on the market that could fit into their long-term plans. I think specifically when I say that, like a Jacob Chikrin ending up in LA would be one hell of a haul for the Kings moving forward. And they can do it. They're one of the teams that I'm very confident that could put together a package that is worth it for the Coyotes to ship him out just based off of the prospects that they have in that system and sort of the future assets that they have stockpiled there. And if that happens, like the Kings are, are a team that are that are worth being a little afraid of based off of how how they can play and like don't underestimate the impact of, of adding like a guy like Philip Deneau. We saw what he was able to do for the for the Canadians last year in the playoffs and just locking down opponents top tier talent every night and how much of a difference that makes. So the Kings aren't a team that I'm attaching a ton of expectations to, but they're a team that is in a very comfortable position. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm excited to see who ends up getting Chikrin because that's going to obviously bolster somebody's defense so well. But um, just moving into Edmonton, um, obviously this is a team that has McDavid, Drysaddle. You'd think they'd be closer than they are, but it just doesn't seem like they're that close. What do you think? Like, I think that you know there are things that that are going to immediately derail a team and it's bad goaltending and bad coaching. And I think that they stuck with bad goaltending and bad coaching for far too long this year. And it really put, put them in a hole. They corrected one of the two things. I really do think that if they don't end up with Mark Andre Fleury, that it's, I'm not going to feel I'm not going to feel too confident about their chances heading into the playoffs. Like they can win a round or two, but I don't, I'm not going to consider them contenders you you need much better goaltending than what they've got this year and unfortunately i don't know if mark andre fleury wants to be there uh and that ultimately comes down to his decision and like from what i've heard he is hesitant to end up with the oilers and that should be really scary if you're an oilers fan is it ever? I mean, you've got to make some sort of move, like you said. I mean, Koskin and Smith, uh, just, you know, not going to no get it done. There. And, no. and uh, even Skinner, this young kid, I mean, you're throwing him to the wolves if you think you're going to get a start from him in the playoffs. But yeah, you're right. You've got to make a move. And I think you've got to make a move just the sole of the fact that you, you say to your team that you're trying. Um, yeah. You know, whether it's. And Ken Holland has to save his job. Like, Ken Holland exactly. has gotten aggressive. Yep. Uh, he He's desperate enough that he was willing to, you know, put himself in the fire by signing Evander Kane. And, you know, I, I, he went on in the in the offseason, went out and got Duncan Keith in a deal that was pretty heavily criticized. Uh, so I think Ken Holland is really je- desperate and he sees the writing on the wall if he isn't able to get it done uh, and make some noise with McDavid and Dreisaitl at the prime of their careers. Patience really running thin and as it should be, because you can't keep wasting those guys prime years. Um, so Ken Holland is desperate, should be desperate. Most definitely. Another team that's, you know, kind of in desperation mode right now is the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, they've made some big moves kind of against the uh, against the cap. I mean, in, in a big way, uh, they've been free falling uh, in, the, in the Pacific Division. Are they going to be able to make any moves uh, come Monday, Pete? You know, what do you expect the Vegas Golden Knights to be doing this time of year? 
they're a team that like is impossible to predict because they're always so aggressive. And, um, you know, we've seen that time in and time out, even at mid season junctures. But the, the one thing that I, now I'm looking at Vegas and, you know, obviously they've had a tough go of things as of late and the outlook isn't quite as bright, but right now they gone, they went from one of the, like the teams that had, uh, uh, like an embarrassment of riches in net with Robin Leonard and Mark Andre Fleury a year ago, and you look at that and you're like, okay, who's going to be the starter? Because both of these guys are so good and are capable of carrying a team in a long run. And now they have neither of those guys. <laughs> uh, where you know goaltending is a massive concern for the Golden Knights, and, and that's like a a hundred and hundred and eighty degree turnaround. And you know, I think uh, Mark Andre Fleur reunion in Vegas would be a really, really interesting story, um, and I wouldn't rule that out. But if they don't end up getting an upgrade in net, yeah, obviously it's a big concern there, and I don't know how much faith I have in that team, uh, even if they are able to get you know Mark Stone back and have a fully healthy lineup. I don't know how good you're gonna how how set you're gonna be without strong goaltending as a last line of defense. For sure. For sure. I, I was on the side that they should have kept Flurry and maybe moved Leonard. I know he's getting older, but I don't I just feel so much more set on Flurry than I was Leonard. Coming off of yeah, Vezina I mean, Trophy. Trading a yeah, guy exactly, right after right. he wins Vezina and, and getting like literally nothing back for him is a tough hit. Um, but I do think that they looked at Leonard as being a guy who they could kind of ride for a little bit longer than Flurry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately the injury has has now put them in a tough spot, but it would be a, a very cool thing to see Flurry end up back there and helping them go on one more run. For sure. Um, so I've got two teams here for you, uh, Vancouver and Winnipeg. They're both kind of on the outside looking in. And I was just kind of thinking, like, Winnipeg's on the outside looking in, but, like, should they not be in? They should be in. Like, they're pretty solid. They, You would think, like, they have the pieces in place where, you know, that's a team that should be much better than they are. Uh, Connor Hellbuck hasn't had quite the year that we've grown to expect from him. Um, and I'm sure that's hurt, Mm -hmm. but you know, I think the Winnipeg is just one of those like pretender teams and it's just, uh, unfortunate because they have so much talent, especially up front in the front end of their lineup. And, uh, you know, if, if they don't get in or they don't make some unexpected noise, I think you're going to see some big changes on that team this off season. Uh, you're going to see some big names shipped out like a potentially like a Mark Shifley. I think that his, his days could be numbered. Uh, and then, you know, Vancouver is one of those is a really interesting case because they were one of the worst teams in the league. First, first quarter half of the year. And now since the coaching changed, they've Bruce, there really turned it around. They're back in the mix and it's unbelievable. So now, you, you know, you look at that team and you're like, well, are they still, are they still going to trade like a Brock Besser or are they only going to trade him if they can get like sort of like immediate returns for him in sort of like a one for one swap or, you know, a package that sort of brings them back and it's not a huge net loss. I don't know. Like Vancouver's a really interesting case as to what they do moving forward, especially now that the direction of that team has changed so much, not only on the ice, but also off the ice in the front office and the coaching. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting. I mean, that Pacific division, certainly the one heating up the most and is the biggest race. Pete, we can't thank you enough. You're coming on the daily mission podcast, catching up, talking hockey, man. We'll do it again soon. Maybe come playoff time. Somewhere's in the playoffs. We can find half an hour to sit down with you, man. We appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.